Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am not Tom Appel. I am Damon Bell, Senior Editor of Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, Tom is out on vacation this week. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, and please check us out at consumerguide.com. You'll want to check out our 2020 Best Buy picks. Uh, That list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car pickup or crossover. And you'll also want to check out our Daily Drive blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide, uh, plus all sorts of fun car-related car stuff. And you can also stream back episodes of the Car Stuff podcast right there on our homepage. All right. Uh, with me today is Jill Simonillo, as usual. She is the <laughs> managing editor of Pickup Truck and SUV Talk. Uh, welcome, Jill. Ah, thank you. You could sound a little bit more excited about that. You're like, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I said as usual, didn't I? Okay, okay. You did have a little bit of an uplift there. And, I, had, uh, I had an uplift. <laughs> and that was an uplift still with not a donut in my belly, too. We still, I, I suppose we we have to have our obligatory donut talk, don't we? Right, right. Well, you know, and I, I feel like um, Tom's vacation might be like on a donut run and he just never came back because he was missing donuts. That could be, but you know, Tom was kind of tight-lipped about where he was going, but and not too many people know this about Tom, but he is a very avid collector of Hummel and Precious Moments <laughs> figurines. So I have a hunch he might be on like a tri-state uh, flea market. And, and oh, there's probably not flea markets this time of year. He's probably hitting sure. antique stores, though, to flesh out his collection. He gets pretty obsessive about it. But uh, we'll, we'll ask him about that next week when he's back. Well, well you know, that's, that's really good to know because, you know, I'm in the process of moving and I actually have some Hummels and some precious moments that you I would be d- happy to do. pass along. Oh, yes. wow. Well, bonus. Yeah. Kids, uh, do, you, do you have some tissue paper to wrap them in? Is, is, uh, oh. Do you have all those packing supplies? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I have um, 40 green crates sitting in my living room right now getting ready to uh, start fill them. Yeah, 40. Oh, good times. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, after the first break, we're going to be chatting with Jeanette Casolano. Uh, she's the public affairs manager and director of communications for AAA. Uh, and she's coming on to talk about their recently released summer travel forecast. I'm sure summer vacations and travel this year are a little bit different than they were in years past. Uh, so we'll talk to her about that. And she's also got some tips on traveling safely and getting your vehicle road trip ready. So you want to stay tuned for that. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, Jill, I'm, I'm just hearing these minor rumblings. I'm getting this <laughs> vague sense that there were a couple new vehicles introduced this week. Uh, you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. This was completely <laughs> a dead news week. There was absolutely nothing going on um, in the world, uh, and, you know, unless <laughs> unless you were Ford, uh, and and then you had this little vehicle called the the Bronco uh, that you yes. were revealing. 
That's right. The Bronco and the Bronco Sport, uh, which I think you and I, we have already agreed that uh, these are probably the vehicle reveals of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, 100 yeah. percent. I, I mean, I, I anticipate this was probably supposed to be revealed either in New York or the Detroit Auto Show, um, you know, one of those. And yeah. I, I'm not sure which one. Um, I'm sure it probably would have been Detroit, I, yeah. I bet, you know, with the summer. It was supposed to happen in the summer. So, yeah, the, the timing. But but because it was pushed back um, and and now it's virtual, um, it, you know, it, it basically is dominating the news cycle. I, I don't know about you, but I wrote four stories about the Bronco. And yeah, um, we did. We did two, one on the, the sport and one on the regular Bronco and one on the sport. But yeah, the, there's so many different angles to this. Oh, I'm yeah. just seeing a flood of coverage. Yeah. Well, because I mean, one of the things that I did, I think that's kind of interesting because uh, you can't really talk about Bronco without also thinking about Jeep Wrangler. And, and exactly. so um, I did a, a breakout of the specs um, of uh, both vehicles side by side. So you could look at the engines and, you know, the torque and yeah. horsepower and, and all of that. And so that was like the very first story that I put out there because I thought this is the first thing people are going to want to look at. And um, but but yeah, I mean, so there's, you know, the Jeep Wrangler um, comparison. There's, oh, let's look at, you know, the trim breakdown. Let's look at, you know, I, you know, just the various and sundry because they're like the details. I, I don't know that Motor Authority put an article out there. Um, Joel Fetter, you know, one of our, our friends and colleagues and fellow mama members, um, he put a story out there about the Easter eggs on Ford mm -hmm. Bronco. And so like, there's just all these little design details and little, um, you know, nuances on the vehicle to talk about. So I, I yeah, there was just so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. And for, and for those, I, I think most everybody is familiar with the Ford Bronco. Um, it's, it's, you know, it was first introduced in 1966. Uh, and it's always been Ford's, uh, off-road, uh, vehicle. And I believe it, it, it went away in 96. It was always a two-door vehicle. Um, and that mm -hmm. first generation Bronco lasted for about 11 years. I think it ran from 1966 to 1977. Uh, it was always a two-door vehicle, uh, always kind of a, a rugged off-road uh, uh, SUV, kind of even before the term SUV was in common use. Uh, so this new for 2021 Ford Bronco is very much a revival of the proportions and design of that first generation model. Uh, mm -hmm, it's got mm -hmm. kind of retro styling and, and the same proportions of that first Bronco. And I was expecting that to be the case. I was not quite expecting Ford to, well, I guess it, it shouldn't be surprising that they are targeting the Jeep Wrangler head on. I mean, this right. is... The, the Jeep Wrangler has has enjoyed a, a very long run with really no direct competition. And the Bronco clearly has the, the Wrangler in its sights. Um, mm -hmm. So in addition to that new uh, four-door Bronco, which uh, there's never previously been a four-door Bronco, the proportions, the kind of rugged off-road uh, stance, uh, the, especially on the two door model, the short wheelbase and just that kind of fun, adventurous styling and the ability to take the doors off, oh, yeah. uh, clearly, uh, aimed right at the Wrangler. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and speaking of the doors, so, um, I think this is one aspect where Bronco 
perhaps beats Wrangler, um, especially with the four-door model, you can take those doors off and stow them in the back. And that's, right. um, that's not something that you can do with a Wrangler. And, and um, you know, I've heard stories of people who, you know, are going off roading in a Wrangler and they take their doors off and actually chain them and padlock them to a tree <laughs> <laughs> that they have to come back to before they leave because, you know, they want their doors off, and but they want the doors on when they're on the highway or they're getting to wherever they're going. Um, and, and this way, you know, with the the uh bronco you never have to worry about oh i'm gonna just leave my doors here and hope that nobody takes them and yeah they're the same place yeah with the four door at least i think the two door is shorter and the doors are longer so so you can't do that and i saw a press photo on ford's uh website that shows you can squeeze those doors back there, but you're not going to be carrying a whole lot of gear uh, right. otherwise in that rear cargo area. But again, it's awesome that that they that there is that capability and, and that they will fit back there. The other thing, speaking of the removable doors, that that I really think is a cool feature. If you've ever driven a Jeep Wrangler with no doors, you'll remember that when you take the Wrangler's front doors off the outside rear view mirrors go with it. Oh, they are bolt, yeah. they are attached to the doors. Mm -hmm. So you lose your outside rear view mirrors <laughs> when you are driving a Wrangler doorless, which is a little bit unnerving. You really have to use that, you know, your windshield mounted rear view mirror and, and pay closer attention. I guess you can kind of stick your head out the, the door opening and look back. But uh, when you're used to having outside rear view mirrors, it's a little unnerving. So that's another nice thing about the Bronco is those outside rear view mirrors are mounted on the cowl so you lose when you lose the doors the mirrors yeah. stay so you've still got the convenience of that yeah well you know and and i i don't know about you but anything that i've ever learned about off-roading tells you that you should use those mirrors and point them to your rear tires so that you um, don't puncture a tire on a rock that's sticking out when you're in oh, tricky situations. Yeah. So yeah. having those those side mirrors is a, a huge, huge help um, for, for somebody who's doing some serious off-roading. So, you know, that is definitely um, a, a benefit and huge point in the favor of, of Bronco, especially if you're going to be taking the vehicle off-road. Yeah. One thing we should talk about, too, and I saw you did a you did a great article about this. Not surprisingly, uh, as is true with the Jeep Wrangler, these are not uh, bargain priced vehicles. No. Um, no. And, and you did you did a you did an article that that listed the the price range, and mm -hmm. it's these get very expensive. The the top line first edition model, which is kind of a limited uh, limited production special edition, it's called first edition. Mm -hmm. uh, the two door. Oh, sixty thousand eight hundred dollars, uh, and the four door sixty four thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars. So that is a uh, luxury level pricing. Again, there's the added uh, uh, shine of those being limited edition models, and I'm sure those are fully decked out. Yeah. But oof, that that is that is big money. Yeah. No. And and when you look at the the Wrangler, um, I, I mean, you can probably I I'll say you can absolutely deck out like a high altitude um, trim uh, for the Wrangler at, at more than sixty thousand dollars. I mean, the, the the and that's only available as a four door, and, and the price for that is fifty one thousand mm -hmm. um, dollars. But I mean, you can certainly option out a Wrangler 
to to be more than that's fit, true. You know, six yes, we should we should say too. Yeah, that 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 is uh, the Bronco is not unusual in that respect, and that uh, it's very easy to do the same thing with a, a Wrangler Rubicon. Uh, and the other element along those lines, where the Wrangler is or where the Bronco is targeting the Wrangler directly, uh, Ford has already said that. There are already go by the time the Bronco launches, there's going to be like 200 factory backed aftermarket accessories for the vehicle. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's going to be no end of things like, you know, uh, grill guards and, and, you know, additional off roading accessories, uh, roof racks. I'm sure there's just uh, a bonanza of things available, which is another interesting wrinkle because. Ford, they did a fairly good job of keeping us this vehicle under wraps for a very mm -hmm. long time. So all those aftermarket suppliers had early access to prototypes to do their measuring and, and stuff like that. So they could develop their own prog products to have them available in time for launch. So at least I know there were always a few leaks. Uh, we would see kind of a, a photos that would show up uh, that mm -hmm. Ford wasn't able to keep under wraps. But from the aftermarket side of things, they they managed to keep the secret uh, pretty well hidden. And again, this this vehicle, we're well over half a decade. We've been hearing rumors and speculation and talk about this. So it's it's neat to finally uh, see it, uh, uh, have, you know, see the light of day. Um, yeah. No, and there was, it, it, there were concepts that even went back further to that. Uh, there was like a Bronco concept that kind of had these same general proportions that I right. think was back in 2004. So this has been on Ford's mind and a lot of off-road enthusiasts mind for a long time now. Yeah, well, you know, and, and the other thing, you know, before before we leave the uh, Bronco discussion behind, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about powertrain a little bit. Um, that's right. That's right. <laughs> because, uh, you know, again, Jeep has a lot of engine options. So, you know, they have the the 3.6 liter Pentastar V6, the 2.0 liter turbocharged I4, and then the 3.0 liter uh, eco diesel. So they have a diesel. And um, Ford has two options. They have the 2.3 liter uh, turbocharged EcoBoost i4, and then they have the 2.3 or the um, 2.7 liter twin turbocharged uh, direct injection uh, EcoBoost V6. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they lack a diesel. There have certainly been rumors that maybe a diesel is coming. Um, but when you look at some of the um, horsepower and torque ratings, of, you know, especially that uh, 2.7 liter engine and you compare it yeah. with, you know, the, the diesel, it, I don't know that it's necessary. I, yeah, that 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 two seven V six is three hundred and ten horsepower mm -hmm. and four hundred pound feet of torque. So that's uh, that's no weak sister. That's going to be a, a strong powertrain. Yeah, um, yeah, and we 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 will uh, post links to uh, some articles we've done about this on our our Facebook page. So you can check it out further. But yes, before we leave Bronco entirely, we should at least touch on the fact that there's another Bronco that was unveiled this week, oh. and that's the Bronco <laughs> Sport. Yes. yes. So we'll touch on that quickly. That's kind of the uh, little brother to the main Bronco. Uh, not quite the same level of, uh, you know, serious off-road prow prowess, but uh, a, a adventure vehicle nonetheless. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, it's really interesting because we've been having a lot of conversations. You know, I did a um, Facebook Live last night with Motorhead Mama talking about um, Bronco and, you know, it was joined by uh, several other women. And um, when we were talking about Bronco Sport, we were mentioning, you know, what what is the comparable Jeep? And the two that came up were Renegade and Cherokee. And um, I think the Bronco Sport is too big to be compared to Renegade, frankly. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Uh, yeah, it, it's very much kind of straddling the line. It's it's kind of on the smaller end of the compact, uh, large end of the subcompact class. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, it yeah. So I would say it's probably more along the lines of Cherokee and um, definitely still has some, some off-road potential and prowess and capability, but it's it's not as... Um, what, what, what is it? Go over any terrain? Yes, that's right. Goat. <laughs> yeah, that's their, they have drive modes that they call goat modes and the G-O-A-T yeah. stands for goes over any type of terrain, they say in the, okay. in the Bronco Sports case. The other thing that's, that's, they're touting about the Bronco Sport is that you can fit, you'll have to take the front tires off, but you can fit two, uh, mountain bikes in the rear cargo area when you have a accessory bike carrier and you fold the rear seats down. So the cargo area is tall enough. They're also saying that it's it's going to have a best in class uh, uh, headroom in both the, the front and rear seats. So I think that taller body build uh, has benefits there. And some other neat features too, like a uh, there's a built-in bottle opener yeah. uh, in the rear uh, liftgate area. And the liftgate can also have uh, LED floodlights uh, that, you know, if you're camping after dark or something, you've got the open lift gate, it, it'll illuminate an area around the rear of the vehicle. So in the same way that Ford had has done with the F-150 that we talked about uh, an episode or two ago, I, it's really impressive how you can tell that they are looking at the r- way these vehicles will be used in the real world and coming mm-hmm. up with very creative features uh, that serve those uses. Um, so it's it's neat to see like that level of thought and uh, and design expertise being put into these things. So um, lots more to talk about with both those vehicles, but I think we should probably keep things rolling and take a break now. So when we come back, uh, we will be talking with Jeanette Casolano of AAA. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I'm Damon Bell. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, All right, this is usually the part of the show where Tom would strongly suggest that you follow him on Twitter. So I'll go ahead and do him that service and tell you that his uh, Twitter handle is CarGuyTom. That's car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. And uh, Jill, you're known to do a little social media uh, uh, use as well. How can I, people I, follow you? Yeah, um, I, it, Jill Simonello. Um, so my name, all one word, um, Jill, and then C-I-M as a Mary, I-N as a Nancy, I-L-L-O as an Oliver. And um, yeah, and I always put that O as an Oliver in because everybody's like L-L-L. And I'm like, no, there are no three L's at the end of my name. <laughs> 
Um, but, your, name is, uh, your name is not Jill Simonil. No, uh, but uh, oh, yeah, always an Oliver. And uh, but I'm I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I, I'm on YouTube, and I tend to, um, as my husband likes to say, I, I tweet like a you know or I do social media like a 13 year old girl. So I'm I'm a little bit prolific. <laughs> so uh, please please feel free to uh, follow me on any of those places and have conversations with me. I like to talk to people on my social media. So yeah, cool. And you can you. And you can follow me on Twitter at Damon Bell Likes Cars, as well as our Consumer Guide uh, social media challenges, uh, channels as well. Uh, so let's get to our guest today. Uh, she directs Triple uh, A's Public Affairs uh, Travel and the Travel and Triple uh, A Foundation for Traffic Safety Public Relations. Uh, and we're happy to have her on the podcast today. Let's welcome Jeanette Castellano. Hi, Jeanette. Hi, Damon. Thank you for having me, and hello to you as well, Jill. Hello. So uh, I think most of our listeners have at least a general idea of what AAA is, but I'm not sure that everyone is aware of just how much uh, AAA does. It's not just uh, roadside assistance. So if you could just give us a, a kind of nutshell of what uh, AAA is and what it does these days. Yeah, you know, AAA is North America's largest motoring and leisure travel organization. You know, most folks think of us as the roadside assistance will come to you when you're stranded, and we respond to more than 30 million calls a year. So that is definitely uh, bread and butter of our business. Um, but that's just not it. As, as you said, AAA offers a lot of discounts and rewards. We have uh, dozens of partners that can get you um, everything from uh, good RX prescriptions and discounts to uh, shopping discounts when you're at uh, outlet malls. Um, but also, we have a very large AAA travel program, too. Um, so right now, we're super busy because COVID-19 has impacted so many of our members and their travel plans. Um, but beyond you know, our travel agents that can help, AAA is a wealth of information providing details related to you know, uh, itineraries on where to travel, tips on how to travel, and of course, um, our Diamonds program, which reviews um, thousands of hotels and restaurants across North America every single year. Yeah, and you guys, you guys recently published uh, a report that's a, a summer travel forecast. Um, and <laughs> as as needless to say, this summer uh, travel outlook is a little bit different than in years past. So there were some interesting data points uh, in this report. Yeah, you know, typically during um, the summer, we actually release two different forecasts. It's traditionally the Memorial Day and Independence Day holiday weekend travel forecast, just because those are very highly trafficked um, weekends that we know Americans are just venturing out. Um, but when it came to those two holidays this year, the um, data specific to those time frames just wasn't available. Economic data, as you know, has just been on a wild ride given COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So what we decided to do was focus our efforts on um, summer as a whole. So looking at July through the end of September and what were Americans looking to do. Um, you know, when it comes to summer, Americans love to travel. You know, we've earned our PTO, our time off, and we're going to take our vacation. <laughs> and right. this year, they still will. It's just going to be in a very different behavior type of way. Um, so for the summer forecast, like I said, from July through September, AAA anticipates 7 million trips for that time period. Um, that means that Americans are likely to take trips that are local or regional. 
Um, when they take their trips, they're going to take a more of a wait-and-see approach and book last minute. Most of the bookings we see coming in are being made 48 hours to seven days in advance, which is just not yeah. typical for the summer season, right? I mean, when we plan our summer trips, we're doing that weeks and months in advance, right. not a few days before we hit the road or get on a plane. Yeah. yeah. What, yeah, what do you think crazy. the what do you think one of the reasons is for for that kind of more spur of the moment uh, attitude? Yeah, it, it, a lot of it has to do with COVID nineteen. You know, if people are going to travel, they want to have all the information in hand before they make that decision to leave their house. They want to know all the facts about where they're going, what's open, mm-hmm. and when they get to where they're going, are they going to be able to enjoy some some type of vacation? And when they return home, you know. Will they be impacted by having to quarantine for a few weeks? I was just talking to some family of ours that are in New York, and they were going to vacation down at the beach of South Carolina, but have changed their plans because when they return home, they would have to quarantine for two weeks. So um, they've decided to do more of a local trip than leave the state. Yeah, no, I mean, the quarantine is is certainly becoming a huge issue. Um, I have flown back and forth to Florida a couple of times because my parents haven't been doing so well. And, um, you know, I I was there when they were lower than Chicago in terms of, you know, the COVID-19 diagnoses. And now, like, I've been back for more than two weeks, but I hit it right. I came back right when they were like, if you've been in Florida, you can't go anywhere for two weeks. And I was, you know, and, and so it's crazy. And my parent, my sister, um, like I flew, but my sister and her husband, who's an EMT, they drove um, 24 mm-hmm. hours to get there because they didn't want to be on a plane and, and they didn't yeah, want to stay right. in a hotel either. So they, they literally yeah. drove straight through. Yeah, well, you know, and that, that's what our, um, our data is showing that, you know, of those 7 million trips, 97% of those are going to be by car. And that's because yeah. the car provides you not just with flexibility, but with comfort. Right? No, yeah. you can, you know, it, it's your car. You're traveling with people that you know, or at least the people you've invited in, into the vehicle with you. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you plan your stops. You know where you're going to stop, when you're going to stop. You can pack extra supplies and food so that you can limit those stops. Um, though we do recommend that if you're going to take that long trip, make sure you've got plenty of sleep and that you're pulling yeah. over every hundred miles to two hours just to take a little bit of a rest and recharge. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, looking at the numbers, um, you, you did a forecast of what, um, you know, the travel volume is or was for 2019 and what you expect it to be for um you know, 2020. And what I find really interesting is travel is only dropping by about 14, 15%. But where you, it, you see the hugest drops, I don't even know if that's a word, the biggest drops um, are in air and then rail, cruise, and, and the other travel. But like traveling by car is only dropping 3%. Correct. Again, it goes back to that comfort and flexibility. People want to take their trips when they feel comfortable to do so, and they'll do so by car. Um, You know, like you said, air travel, um, our forecast is down 74% year over year. Rail, cruise, cruising isn't happening right now, but that whole category is down, you know, nearly 86%. Those are huge percentages. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, we want to be able to travel and enjoy ourselves and and feel some comfort. And uh, right now, traveling by car does, um, does that for us. Uh, You know, what we found interesting, too, though, you know, let's say COVID-19 was a word never introduced into our vocabulary. (laughs) This year, we would have been looking at 150 million more trips. So, right, we forecasted 700 million. We would have had 850 million uh, trips throughout the summer season. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, I think also also I the the report gets into um, I think there's a shift. There's obviously going to be a shift in the destinations for these summer vacation oh, yeah. road trips too, and that you know. Uh, Highly populated, dense cities, New York City, uh, or or theme park areas like Orlando, probably not going to be as popular this year. And there was a, a part of this research that showed that the the biggest uh, the city that made the biggest climb it was from number ten to number one was Denver, Colorado, and that makes perfect sense to me because that is a outdoor area where it's a probably more social distancing friendly uh, vacation destination. Yeah, yeah, you are you are one hundred percent, Damon. Um, correct. You know, people are, are venturing to cities where they can practice social distancing and enjoy the great outdoors. Denver, you know, traditionally pretty low on the top ten list, but hit number one. Orlando is traditionally the number one spot, uh, and it's dropped down to number eight. Um, and this is from data we looked at um, uh, early in June. So you know, Orlando may be even lower on the list now. But yeah, people, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, so the this data is actually coming from our Triptych website, uh, triptych.aaa.com, which, um, you know, whenever I tell people that I work for AAA, I either get them pulling out their AAA membership card or they're telling me <laughs> about when they were younger and would go to the mm-hmm. AAA storefronts, which are still there, and get the, triple, the AAA Triptych for their family's yes. uh, destination, and they could, you know, tick off where they've been and, and what they've been doing. Um, now, it, you can still go to the store and, and get that information, but it's also available online and it proved to be super popular. You know, and beyond just mapping your route, Triptix also helps you plan where you're going to stop. So it helps you identify rest stops or, you know, an exit where you can get gas and get food, you know, knock it all out at yeah. once. Um, mm-hmm. It also has a great feature we've added, which is the AAA COVID-19 travel restriction map. And that provides ah. you with some of that information we were discussing earlier about quarantining or are certain attractions opened or beaches open. Um, so, you know, combining those two tools are a really great resource for Americans right now as they're planning those road trips. Yeah, I yeah. just checked out uh, Triptych last night. Uh, we're, my family and I are actually mulling around the idea of, of taking a a, a road trip to the northern part of Michigan, and the, it's very cool. You just type in your start and your destination, your final destination, and it gives you a route. And yes, all those things you mentioned, restaurants, gas stations, kind of essential things. But for something, uh, a trip that might be a, a longer drive, the other neat element is what kind of attractions are along the way. If I want to stop mm-hmm. and see... Uh, a Hummel figure museum or the world's <laughs> largest ball of twine or something in route. The, there's uh, information there on that as well. Right. Definitely. So that's for Tom's road trip, right, Damon? That's the, right. The Hummel museum. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, I, exactly. Um, like a lot of people don't know about Triptych. And I think that is one of the more brilliant things that currently exists. And, you know, like you mentioned, uh, I was that child whose family did the, the triptych when we would drive from Indiana to, to Florida for spring vacation and, you know, stop at the Smoky Mountains or, you know, whatever. But, but I mean, it's an invaluable resource. And, you know, now that it's online and especially with the, the COVID uh, restriction area, I mean, that I, I think that's pure brilliance. Yeah. Well, thank you. We're, we're excited about it. We know, you know, our AAA members and it is, it's, it's an online resource for anyone. You don't have to be a AAA member to use it. So um, we highly encourage it, and we think it's a great tool, especially now more than ever. 
Yeah. And so with with all these people, uh, you know, packing up their vehicles and and loading up the stuff and the kids, uh, we should probably talk a little bit. Um, I think, Jeanette, you can speak to uh, things you should probably be doing to make sure your vehicle is road trip ready and also uh, tips for traveling safely as well. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, for for a few months there, most of our cars were sitting idle, and we are driving more now than we were back in March and April, but it's still a good idea before any road trip to bring your car into a AAA-approved auto repair shop and um, just get a, a trip check on your car. You want to make The last thing you want to do is be stranded on the side of the road. I mean, AAA mm-hmm. will be there to help you out, but the last thing you want to do is put a little um, damper on your trip and, and be stuck on the side of the road. So always taking it in before a trip to have things checked out like the engine, have your oil refilled, windshield, windshield wiper fluid topped off, things like that. You just want to make sure that your car is ready for that road trip. Beyond that, you know, we always say be sure to pack your patients, and that is no different this time around, but there's some other things you definitely <laughs> want to pack before you hit the road or, or wherever you're traveling. Of course, face coverings and gloves, and if you don't have gloves, plastic bags are great alternatives uh, to help keep you a little bit safe and, and cleaner. Um, cleaning supplies are important, especially those disinfecting wipes and hand sanitizers and thermometers. Um, you know, those are four things you definitely want to have on your trip. Um, and we're also, you know, something else to consider is um, packing extra supplies. So not just having mm-hmm. extra food for your trip, but for when you're going for, for your final destination. It could be it is a good idea to arrive with those extra supplies, like cleaning supplies or extra food so that you can limit your exposure and limit the number of stores you have to go to when you get mm-hmm. to your destination. Mm-hmm. Those are important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about planning your trip ahead of time. Um, if you're stopping at hotels or a track or when you get to where you're going, if you're, there are attractions you plan to see, make sure you're calling ahead, not only to understand if they're open, but any new protocols that they've put in place. And, you know, many attractions um, like Disney are um, have a certain capacity level. So mm-hmm. uh, planning and the research you have got to do and just elevate that this summer um, because of COVID-19 more than you probably would in, in years past. Um, and make sure you're traveling with, you know, necessarily travel, uh, your necessary travel documents, including your health insurance cards. That's important, oh, yeah. um, you know, just in the, in the event you were to get sick. And make sure you've got that emergency roadside kit in your vehicle. Include things like a cell phone and cell phone charger, first aid kit, blankets. We talked about extra water and snacks, but flashlights, but make sure that flashlight has batteries. Um, so it's, it's just, you know, the same precautions we typically take. We're just elevating them a little bit more to making sure that we're all safe when we're on the road and, you know, especially through those towns that we're traveling through. Yeah. Well, and, and like you make it like I wouldn't have even thought about taking cleaning supplies with me. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, you know, I, I, I in, in the COVID era, um, you know, you can't trust somebody else to clean your room if you're staying at a hotel, I guess. Right. Yeah, a hotel, you know, or if you're, if you're renting a place, you know, it's always important to take those cleaning supplies. And, um, you know, prior to this, I, I was someone who would have some wipes with me. And when I checked into a hotel, I would wipe down some high trafficked areas, the faucet, the knob, the, the doorknobs, the the switches on, on lights, um, the remote control, just, you know, that gives, gave me a little bit more peace of mind. You know, if you're traveling on a plane, you know, definitely do that as mm. well. Wipe down your seat, your tray table, the armrest, the seatbelt, the screen, anything you could be touching. Um, it just, you know, gives you a little bit uh, more uh, feelings of, of comfort and security uh, when you were checking into these places. 
Yeah. yeah. I am I am I am writing all this stuff down because <laughs> uh, if I do take a road trip this summer, I need to be uh, following some of this stuff and I need to pass this stuff on to my wife as well. This is great information. Um Jeanette, we are running up on our time here, but how about uh, can you give us uh the ways that people can uh, look you up and contact uh, AAA uh online? Yeah, definitely. You know, the website is AAA.com if you're looking for a trip website. That's a mouthful, I know, but triptych, T-R-I-P-T-I-K dot triple A. Um, and you can find all the information there related to uh, planning your trip. And, of course, um, AAA's newsroom is a great resource. It has all the tips uh, that I've provided here today, too. Um, so, you know, we just wish everyone a safe and healthy uh, summer vacation. And um, thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. Thanks so much, uh, Jeanette. All right. Uh, we will take a quick break and uh, be back with more after this. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I'm Damon Bell. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, Jill, we spent so much time talking about the Bronco and Bronco Sport in the first segment that we didn't get around to a road test review, but uh, we've got time in this last segment. I think we will forego our normal quiz and and leave Tom as the, the quiz master <laughs> the quiz uh, for master. next week. Yes. Right. Uh, and let's talk about, uh, since we've got the, the time, let's talk about a couple different vehicles that that. Uh, we've driven recently, not the same vehicles, but very closely related. And that is the Toyota RAV4 Prime. And that's what you drove. And I recently drove a Toyota Prius Prime. Now that Prime uh, suffix denotes uh, plug-in hybrid. So uh, what did you think of the RAV4 Prime? Uh, I loved it. Um, so, so let's just start there. Uh, I, I, I give it a solid A plus. Um, on, I, we'll start with the rating, and then we can talk about why. Um, I, I really pretty much liked everything about the Rav Four Prime. Um, it's built on the the regular Rav Four platform, um, and you know it has a hybrid mode. But the the really cool thing about it is when you plug it in. Uh, you get about so for for the vehicle I was driving when I plugged it in and charged it up fully, it said I had forty eight miles of all electric range. And that, that forty eight. Yeah, and that was with the wow. air conditioning off. When you turn the air conditioning on, it's like forty five miles of electric range. And um, I mean that's that's if you're if you're driving cautiously, I think, you know, that's a very optimistic number. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will say, you know, I I only they're they're doing short tests right now, because it's a pre production model. And they are trying to get it through as many journalists as they can. So I only had it for three days. And um, I did not really go out of electric mode, pretty much at all. And really? uh, Yeah. So were you were you plugging it in at night? I, I did. I did. So, okay. um, you know, my first day I had it, I had, it came to me with only 35 miles of range and I drove to, um, you know, near Midway airport. So that's like a 13 mile drive from where I live and back. So, um, 26 miles round trip. 
and I got stuck in some pretty awful serious traffic on the way back. So I uh, managed to whittle that down within about two miles of range. So I traveled 26 miles and went through about 35 miles of range. Um, but I literally sat in traffic for an hour on my way home. So, um, oh. you know, there are certainly extenuating circumstances and things that will change, you know, how your, your range is. And I, I turned the air off because I'm always cold. And um, <laughs> so I, I, I was able to eke out a little bit more range because of that. And um, but, but the, the biggest thing to know here is because of the all electric power, you get an amazing electric boost. So you have this instantaneous torque that gives you instantaneous acceleration. And, um, you know, for an SUV, this is really darn fun to drive. Uh, and, yeah. and it's very zippy. Yeah, I've, uh, Toyota, in fact, says that the, the RAV4 Prime is the most powerful and quickest RAV4 ever, mm -hmm, in addition mm -hmm. to being the most fuel efficient. So, yeah, yeah. This, this, this idea of the electric eco-focused green vehicles being, uh, you know, weak performers, that's something that's, that's really being uh, pushed into history with these powerful new uh, vehicles. So did it kind of throw you back in your seat when you got on the throttle? It really did. And it, it, it's kind of a weird feeling because you're, you're expecting to hear the engine, which there isn't one um, that's going when you're in electric mode. And um, mm -hmm. so it's really quiet. And it's this amazing just boost of power. So like merging on the highway, needing to pass a slower car. And I, I mean, I found myself driving more like I was in a sports car than um, I was driving an SUV, which probably also affected my range a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, but it was just, it was, it was a very impressive. And so I did have the engines click on at one point, um, you know, I was driving out to the suburbs, um, putting some stuff in storage. And, um, so on the way back, probably the last 10 miles, the, the, um, engine clicked on and I was watching for it cause I knew it was going to happen. And I was like, I wanted to feel that moment of, of mm -hmm. change and, it was really smooth. I almost didn't feel the change. And um, so I was I was just overall incredibly impressed because I've been a little bit down on the RAV4 hybrid and, and it felt like a little bit loud and a little bit clunky to me. And um, this this was none of those things. Um, hmm. and, and the engine, even when it's on, is quiet and you don't feel it shut off. You don't feel it turn on. Like whatever they did in this system is, is really just very well done. Um, so, yeah, and, um, and I don't remember that from the Prius Prime. I, I, you know, I don't remember it being that well done. Yeah, I'm looking at the at the specs for the Rav4 Prime, 302 mm -hmm. horsepower, on, which yeah. is an 80 83 horsepower jump over the regular non-plug-in Rav4 hybrid. Mm -hmm. uh, Toyota lists a zero to sixty time of 5.8 seconds, uh, an estimated 90 mpge, which is the you know kind of combination EPA rating for mm -hmm. electric and gasoline driving. And an estimated uh, 39 miles of pure electric driving range before the gas engine 
uh, turns on, but you were beating that 39 mile. Yeah. Well, uh, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at something that ha- I might be looking at a different spec sheet, uh, or maybe it's more updated, but, um, actually, because, yeah, they, they, they might have updated that number yeah. uh, because I'm seeing it says electric driving range, 42 miles and the MPGE is 94, but, um, like yeah, said, the, you know, this is a preview article I'm looking at. Yeah. I would probably, okay. I would probably go with your number. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so I do have one question before we switch over and talk about the prime for you specifically. And and this is for my friend, Tony, Um, his uh, son is, I want to say like six, five and Mm -hmm. um, asked me who I'm five feet tall um, is a tall person going to fit in this vehicle. And I know you haven't driven the RAV4 prime, but you've driven the RAV4 and you've driven the RAV4 hybrid. So how does a tall person have this vehicle? It, it, you know, I, I've driven multiple versions of the RAV4, haven't driven the Prime yet, although we are getting it in our office soon. I did take a RAV4 TRD off-road on a long road trip uh, uh, recently, uh, the uh, July 4th weekend, in fact. And a couple nice things to report about that vehicle. That has uh, a bit more off-road oriented uh suspension tuning and some slightly more aggressive, uh, more all-terrain focused tires, uh, which I'm sure increases the off-road capability of the the RAV4 by at least a little bit. Uh, I'm happy to report that that does not uh, introduce any downsides to uh, long highway drives. Uh, The tires are still quiet on on, uh, freeway pavement and and the ride is still really good and the other thing that i did notice about that rav4 is that i fit in it a little bit better than i remember fitting into earlier rav4s i've driven which is a little i don't think there's that much variation in the seats uh between them but for whatever reason i did uh fit into that better and i'm hovering between six six and six seven so yes i'm super tall. So I was totally fine in that TRD off-road RAV4 uh, on a long road trip, okay. but it's not the most, it's not, I, it, strictly in terms of headroom, I would probably choose a CRV uh, over a RAV4 uh, from a headroom standpoint. But okay. uh, again, that long road trip, I was fine. And like I always say to people, everybody kind of sets their seats and seat backs a little bit differently. They, they have different ways that they like to have the steering wheel. So mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of just have to get in the vehicles and, and try them on for size. Uh, cause what, what works for me might not work for someone who's similarly tall, but yeah, I <laughs> right. would, I, I, the, okay. the RAV4 is spacious enough for me that I would say it's worth checking out if you're also a tall guy. Okay. Good to know. So Yes. Um, so yes, my uh, Prime experience was with the Prius Prime, and that's uh, the plug-in hybrid variant of the normal Toyota Prius hybrid. Uh, the Prime was introduced as a 2017 model, I believe. It hasn't changed too much since then. Uh, it does get a couple welcome updates for 2020. Uh, previous versions of the Prius Prime did not have a center seating section in the the back seat, uh, Ah. and they've now added a fifth passenger seat in in the back, so that gives it a little more flexibility. Uh, (laughs) Also, a couple USB ports added, all important USB charging ports uh, added for rear seat passengers. Um, And Prius is obviously a smaller vehicle than the RAV4. Um, I think your fuel account, and it's not uh, all-wheel drive, uh, the Prius Prime is going to uh, be uh, 
not as powerful as the RAV4 Prime either. And uh, given that the battery pack is a little smaller, uh, they give a, a projected uh, all-electric driving range of 25 miles. Okay. Um, I actually witnessed better than that. And that was even in very hot temperatures when I was uh, using the AC liberally. And I think on my fully charged battery, uh, I was seeing... I want to say like 26.7 or 27 miles of, of projected electric range, which it did deliver because I was watching uh, the meter kind of click down as I was uh, mm -hmm. driving, you know, and, and seeing the miles tick past. Um, when I turned off the, the uh, air conditioning system, it, I think it jumped up to almost 30. So I was seeing numbers a little bit better than that official projected range. Okay. And there are downsides to the, the, the main downside to the Prius Prime is that extra plug-in hybrid hardware, the, the larger battery pack, mm -hmm. means that the, that the load floor in the rear hatchback uh, area is raised probably about two inches-ish which okay. doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you spread that across the entire cargo floor area and you've got that sloping hatchback, that does eat into uh, cargo space. So, Jill, if, say, you were moving <laughs> and you had a big uh, plastic tote that you needed to fit in, there are probably right. certain boxes that you could fit into a regular Prius that would be <laughs> two inches shy of fitting in the back of a Prius Prime. So, a little bit less cargo versatile, but... Again, the, I, I think we've talked about this before, uh, and and I know Tom uh, thinks that the average consumer is is not going to be diligent about plugging these vehicles in to right. get the proper amount of benefit from them. But if you are fastidious about plugging it on the turn, you know, putting it onto the charger whenever you get home, and you're always uh, remembering to keep it plugged in. These plug-in hybrids make a lot of sense to me because yeah. even with the, you know, smaller uh, pure electric driving range of 25 to 30 miles with this Prius Prime, for me, that is more than enough uh, to be fully pure electric driving for my daily use. My commute is, is less you know, to and from work is less than 25 miles, even if I'm taking side trips to get groceries or whatever on my way to or from the office. Uh, so, and the other nice thing about it is I don't have a level two charger at home, right. but if I get the vehicle plugged in, say at 6 p.m. or 7 o'clock, whenever, you know, you get home in the evening, by mm -hmm. the next morning, even if the battery is pretty much all the way down, it's going to be fully charged yeah. again. Yep, um, 100%. So yes. you've got, yeah, you've got that capability to have pure electric driving Monday through Friday. And then if you want to take a longer road trip for the weekend, you're still going to have an efficient vehicle, but you're you're not going to have have any range anxiety because you right. do have the, the gasoline uh, engine uh, on board as well. So, and... <laughs> The Prius, the, the current generation Prius's styling is a little out there <laughs> and the Prius Prime is maybe even a little weirder looking. So there, I know yeah. it's not to, yeah, more out there. So I know it's not to everyone's taste. Uh, and and I suppose that it's not, uh, it's certainly not as quick as a RAV4 Prime and it may be not powerful enough for some people, but I felt the acceleration and the these you know, zippiness for what it was to be completely fine for around town driving. I never okay. felt that it was underpowered. Um, so 
yeah, it, you will pay a little bit of a premium for the plug-in hybrid uh, hardware over a regular Prius, but I, I think there's a lot to uh, be said for having that capability and efficiency for, with the plug-in hybrid powertrain. Yeah, I agree. 100% agree. Uh, so, yes, that's a, we'll, we'll uh, post uh, some articles we've done on the Prius Prime. Uh, so on our Facebook page, you can check those out. And speaking of uh, stuff posted online, uh, the Daily Drive blog, we've got another uh, roster of articles this week. And the taking up the lion's share of the attention is the Bronco and Bronco Sport that we already talked about in the first section or in the first segment of the show. But there was a yet another vehicle uh, that was unveiled this week. This is just this summer has been kind of a bonanza of uh, new vehicle introductions that are happening online in one way or the other. Uh, so also debuting this week was the. Uh, the Nissan Aria, which is a production vehicle. Right. They haven't specifically said uh, that it's going to be a 2022 model, but I think it's probably going to be a 2022 model. And that's uh, a Nissan's first pure electric uh, crossover SUV. Yeah, no. And I think, uh, you know, we, we only have like a minute left here, but um, I just want to say, like, I think this is a really important vehicle for Nissan. And, um, you know, I hope it doesn't get lost in, in Bronco land uh, because I, I think people <laughs> need to know about it. And I think it's uh, I think it's a really cool vehicle. It looks like a really cool vehicle on paper. So, yeah. And it is it, it, as a 2022. It's not coming to uh, our shores until late uh uh, in the 2021 calendar year. So we'll have more information on that as its launch date gets closer. For now, it, they are projecting the the top uh, uh, or the, the most ef uh, efficient trim level to have a driving range of up to 300 miles. That's in two-wheel drive with a higher capacity battery. So that makes it feasible uh, for a broad number of, of people, families who might be wanting to jump into the EV arena. Um, so yes, oi. We're already out of time again. Uh, so that's the podcast uh, for this week. Uh, I want to thank uh, Jeanette Castellano and the AAA. I want to thank producer Paul and the good folks at WCPT AM 820. And thanks as always to Jill Simonillo. <laughs> and uh, we'll have Tom back uh, next week and he can show us his new acquisitions. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. Let's chat again next week.